Hello there and welcome to this Human Life Podcast. My name is Melissa Sanova and I am progressively reading through the book This Human. This is a hybrid podcast slash audiobook where I read through the content and stop and embellish by telling stories and sharing my experiences with some of the concepts through the book. We are in chapter six at the moment on page 161 and we've been exploring emotions and the role of emotions in design and designing with and for emotions and of course we find ourselves now about to delve into empathy and I have a mixed relationship with empathy I uh, have to say not empathy itself but talking about empathy and the role of empathy in design having worked with lots of different people from lots of different professions and and industries and sectors I've come across many different forms of empathy and ideally what we're saying I think with the whole discussion and the reminding people that empathy is important and good and required to be able to participate in sensitive and and uh, insightful design is I think what we're saying really is to just remember the human experience the human condition in everything that you do as a human-centered designer not just necessarily as something that you consider when thinking about the design action so the you know what the design process is oriented towards whether that's a service a program a product a strategy a business or whatever that might be it's actually also having empathy for the people that you're on the journey with and those people are the people directly in your design team and also those people who just by the virtue of the fact that you know you're doing the work that you're doing are going to be positively or sometimes negatively impacted by the consequences of that design action whether that is a restructure in an organization or it's a different way that they are going to need to deliver their their jobs because they happen to be you know on the front line delivering a service to the cohort that you're working with having empathy for for those humans as well and then finally also having empathy for yourself and I guess this is one of the one of the reasons big reasons why I embarked on this project around this human and continue to work with it and that is that we often forget about the person who's actually doing the designing this human (laughs) the one who's listening and you know some of the stuff that we we have to grapple with and the conversations that we need to have with people can be quite difficult and also really amazing it's not always a hard road but we often forget what it takes to look after you to look after you in your profession of human-centered design or design leadership so we're going to be unpacking a lot of that today because we start on page 161 and it's about understanding empathy so let's dive in Daniel Goleman the author of emotional intelligence describes three types of empathy cognitive emotional and compassionate Knowing the type of empathy you're experiencing lets you watch for the different impacts that that type of thinking may have. People feel empathy in different ways. An emotionally sensitive person is more likely to experience emotional empathy than a person who is less so. 
It doesn't really matter if you are better at experiencing cognitive or emotional empathy. What matters is that you know there is a difference and you can manage yourself accordingly. As a human-centered designer, you need to master compassionate empathy. You will have to design effectively and meaningfully in many different situations. Having too much of an emotional investment can be draining and cloud your perspective on the most appropriate design or design action, I'll add, for that particular human context. Having too little may mean you miss the nuances that emotional empathy often communicates and reveals. A tip. Knowing the three different types of empathy helps you understand if what you're experiencing is constructive or destructive for your work. Cognizant, there's a little, three little brain drawings. There's lots of little brains throughout on page 161, which basically describes the difference between the three empathies that I've just chosen to use Daniel Goldman's framework to be able to unpack some of this stuff. And, they, and there's lots out there. Brene Brown obviously has done some work here as well, where there's a beautiful video actually, which I will link in the show notes that's been animated, where she talks about the difference between empathy and sympathy, which we use in our training. But yeah, anyway, right. So cognitive empathy, when you can see things from their perspective, also known as perspective taking, can result, can result in an over-intellectualization of your insight leading to loss of meaning. So what I mean by that is there are some people who are really, really intelligent and through, you know, in conversation, through the language someone's using, through the way that they're sharing the experience that they're willing to to share with you, the person is able to see, to take the perspective of the other person. But it's it's a it's a brain activity. It, it, it's not necessarily a heartfelt, visceral uh, connection with the emotions and emotional experience of the person who's doing the sharing. It's a, it's an intellectual understanding of what they went through and their perspective on an issue. So that's cognitive empathy. Emotional empathy, when you actually feel what they feel, also known as emotional contagion, which is just, I don't know, um, that word for me, especially now. (laughs) Yeah, gets under my skin a bit. But this type of empathy can result in transference where you lose the benefit of being an external observer. So this is a really important one, and I don't think that we often talk about this because it's quite nuanced in circles where we're discussing empathy and design. Because often what we're saying is, and this is perhaps um, because we're wanting to bring the balance back, I guess, a little bit more heart, less head, but it can go too far as well. Um, We don't talk about the, the fine line that we actually need to walk and maintain as human-centered designers, especially in the research phase, where we are spending time with the people that um, we're designing with and for, and becoming really, I mean, intimate is a really, it's, it's a word I use often in my practice, with their lives and their perspectives and their life stories and their experiences of things. And, you know, sometimes the, the context within which we work can be quite challenging and you know there's only so much that you can actually authentically experience emotionally when considering someone else's 
life experience. Everyone has their own worldviews and life experiences and that colours the way that they um, show up in the world and perceive the world. And I don't think we can ever fully experience what another person has experienced having not lived as them through that experience. And having said that, I I think it's also possible for us to be too emotionally invested in the person or the topic. And one of the powerful aspects of being a a human-centered designer working on a in a particular context is the you know we've spoke about beginner's mind earlier on in the book you're able to bring a fresh perspective which is a slightly distanced actually which is something that is essential that you're able to maintain so the emotional empathy one is a quite tricky one because I think having your heart in what you do is in my view, fundamental to sensitive and insightful design, but it can go too far. And the final is compassionate, when you can appreciate what they feel and can do something to support them. The balance point of view that allows you to design with compassion and objectivity. So compassionate design is, it has a little bit of an action orientation to it, you know, one that has you have your heart and mind in the, the process of designing, the process that you're going through. You know, you're using your intellectual empathy to be able to perspective take. Your heart is open and in to be able to do so sensitively. And it's coming from a place of action, of compassionate action. All right, here's a quote for us by The Greater Good, University of California, Berkeley page 162 compassion is not the same as empathy or altruism though the concepts are related while empathy refers more generally to our ability to take the perspective of and feel the emotions of another person compassion is when those feelings and thoughts include the desire to help i think that's a really important summary actually (laughs) and perhaps we should be using the word compassion more in our practice of design because it's the act of designing is also, you know, and this is a whole can of worms too, but it usually comes from the place of wanting to help. All right, so 163, it's a little um, exercise. So in my, my coaching program, I, in, especially in the deep leadership program, which is a full seven month, 14 session, deep dive excavation into yourself as a leader, <laughs> design leader, I run little social experiments with people and this sounds like very maniacal but what I mean is the person I'm working with runs social experiments in their own lives and I call them social because it's usually got something to do with a slightly different approach that they take to showing up in their role so they might have a particular habit around communication which they're going to experiment with for two weeks or they might have a particular initial response to someone that they work with and they're going to try something else for two weeks, that, that kind of thing. And so this is an, this is an example, exercise 6.2, where you could run a experiment just with yourself to practice recognising different empathy types because the clues live in language. So we have a little bit of a, I don't know what you would call this, a series of illustrations with people emoting. And, you know, the, the woman's crying, my house is destroyed. Knowing how you are empathizing, it helps ensure you don't get too involved emotionally or stay too detached intellectually. 
So a person, perhaps the designer is responding, hmm, no good. I have so many questions. Cognitive empathy. It sounds sort of like this. What did you do? How did you feel? If you're full of questions about the what and how of the event, you're heading towards cognitive empathy. So someone who tends towards understanding the objectivity of a situation. So, you know, the events, what happened, what order did they happen and how did they happen and asking explicitly for, you know, the person to be able to list the emotions that were experienced by answering the question, how did you feel, is a very cognitive approach. I can't bear it. It's so devastating. Emotional empathy. If you are feeling terrible or elated for the person you are designing for and with, and it is impacting upon or influencing your decision making, you're heading towards an unbalanced emotional empathy response. And this is really, and this is why the reflective practice that I keep talking about over and over again is so crucial to any human-centered designer who wants to continue to evolve their practice, to be able to, in the moment, check in and kind of going, how am I going through this? How am I feeling? Where is this landing? And, And so on. And then finally, you know, that's terrible. How can I help? Compassionate empathy. If you can connect with how they are feeling and understand what you might be able to do about it to address their situation, you're heading towards compassionate empathy. So compassionate empathy, that that quote that I shared before really is a great summary where it is talking about having the intellectual and emotional understanding and also being motivated to do something about it. Okay, page 164. Aim to move people. A lot of your work is about people believing in you as a practitioner and engaging in the narrative of your findings and recommendations as if it is their own. Be clear with them about how they can contribute to your work so they feel they are an important part of what is being achieved. Without passion and the willingness to create a pleasurable, desirable experience of fulfilling the work, people can quickly become disengaged and disheartened. This applies equally to you, your colleagues and collaborators and your clients. We have already discussed the importance of having a big vision for your work. To ensure that something worthwhile in line with your intention emerges from the creation process, you need to start big. It is the same when you are designing for emotional connection. Intend for your work to move people. If you don't think about this as a possibility, you will end up designing solutions that get washed away with the masses. For your work to have a significant positive impact, you need to think about how to create something that will have deep resonance. When people are moved emotionally, they are motivated to take action. Emotions like desire, enjoyment and passion, powerful sources of energy. Even in the darkest of places, you can move people so they have hope and see a way through to a better future. If your work inspires this type of connection between people, you have a great impact. You can have a great impact in the world. If your work inspires this type of connection between people, you can have a great impact in the world. Allow yourself to believe you can. And I'm just going to talk about this a little bit and then leave it there. We can easily fall into the norms of our organization, which is to present our findings, you know, in a, 
in a report or, or a presentation or, a, you know, something that is just the status quo, the, the mainstream way of doing things. And one of the things that I've learned when it comes to the point of really connecting people with what your work is discovering and the direction that it seems to be heading in terms of a solution is to set your bar really high in terms of how engaged uh, you intend people to be with the work. Really think about them as people and what's going on with them. You know, human-centered design is like a fractal. It can be applied to every single thing that you're doing, designing ways of working together so that it's empathic to, you know, how each of you work in the design team or designing your fellowship, you know, being really deliberate in your reflections around how you can be a really great person to lead, designing your leadership in terms of the the group of people that you happen to have at this moment in time with this outcome that you're all working towards. How can you show up in that in the best possible way to enable them to, to be able to do that? There's so many things that can be deliberately and intentionally designed from a human perspective and the the way that you communicate with people throughout is an opportunity to practice that not just at the end but every step of the way so that brings us to page uh, 165 and I'm going to stop it there we're going to kick off next week talking about beauty which I love another understated and often forgotten I think part in the beauty and we'll unpack this next week but obviously there's lots of different types of beauty and I'm not just referring to aesthetics there so anywho thank you for joining me again I I look forward to being with you next week and continuing on this journey we've probably only got a few more episodes left and we will have finished the book and as always if you're wanting to find out more about the this human ecosystem you can head over to thishuman.com we have a nice beautiful slow community that's building over at on mighty networks which is called the this human community so you can check that out you can find your way there through the website and then also if you're interested in one-on-one coaching or you want to have me speak at an event or anything like that all of that information can be found over at melissanova.com So once again, thank you and I look forward to being with you next week. Take care. Bye.